This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly podcast, you will get the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, and baseball from HOL's Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus, and Greg Peterson. Now, here's your host, HuskerOnline.com publisher, Sean Callahan. And welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan with Robin Washington and Dan Hoppin here as we are approaching Nebraska's red-white spring game here on Saturday. As uh, It's been a long spring, guys, as Nebraska has gone through six weeks of spring practice. It started on the first Saturday in March, and uh, they added an extra week this year. So it's kind of been a long, drawn-out deal. The well has kind of dried up for articles to write on Husker Online, and uh, we're ready for some football. And it, it should be a, a great Saturday with weather, uh, lots of recruits in town, and we'll talk more about that with Nate Klaus in the show. But I think there's a lot of things I'm looking forward to the most. For me, the biggest thing, guys, is not the known commodities like a Tommy Armstrong. I always like to see the guys we haven't seen play in Memorial Stadium. I want to see Patrick O'Brien. I want to see Darian Grimm. I want to see the Davis twins and Alex Davis as well and and some of these younger, fresher faces because this is kind of their first real primetime moment, and, and that's what has me the most excited, Robin, when I look at Saturday. Yeah, I mean, go down the list. I mean, starting at quarterback, Patrick O'Brien making his unofficial Husker debut, and then you mentioned Grimm and uh, even the running back position, a guy like Mikhail Wilbon. I know a lot of people are excited about what exactly his role is going to be in this offense and uh, offensive line. You're talking about a completely reshuffled group up front. And you mentioned all the young faces on defense and in the secondary as well. So uh, a lot of questions still needing to be answered, you know, as we close out spring ball here and, uh, I highly doubt we're going to find many concrete answers uh, on Saturday, but it's a good tone setter for kind of what to expect when things kick back off in fall camp. Yeah, and you mentioned the offensive line, Robin. You know, a lot of the guys that we like to focus on in the spring game are, are young guys, but there are some veterans on that line. Uh, David Neville, who's a junior, mm-hmm. uh, Tanner Farmer and Gerald Foster, they're sophomores, but this is their third year in the program. You know, those are guys that I'm going to be watching closely because this is kind of their time to make an impact. I feel like there's an established seven guys on that offensive line that maybe pull the way. Uh, who the, the five that started the scrimmage, Nick Gates and Neville and then Farmer and Foster and then Utter. And then I think Corey Whitaker and Paul Thurston. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, I think that would be kind of your established seven. Um, I don't really see a tackle. And we'll talk more about that in the, in the next segment. But um, they've got kind of that first seven guys established. And I think there's somewhat – position drama going on at a couple of those spots but that five that started Saturday um, looked good they ran the ball well and I think I think that's what has me intrigued I want to see more of the running game I thought Divino Zigbo in the scrimmage and Terrell Newby both those guys ran well looked great I I, I mean Terrell kind of showed that explosiveness he's a more explosive back as far as speed and maybe big runs goes than Divino Zigbo but I just love Divine's patience his his eyes the way that he can kind of he had this great touchdown run. It was from only about three or four yards out, but where he almost literally stopped um, on one of his runs and kind of changed direction and slid, slithered into the end zone. That's a run that I don't think Terrell Newby can make, and I'm just I'm really impressed with him. I'm high on Define Zigbo. Yeah, I, I am too. And just physically, he's built like no other back that they have. I mean, he's he is put together. When he squares those shoulders up, holy cow! I mean, he's he's about the size of a linebacker, and so he's going to cause a lot of problems. I mean, he is a Big Ten running back. You know, Terrell Newby and Mikel Wilbon both have their qualities, but they're not going to do uh, the three 
yards in a cloud of dust work that Devino Zigbo is going to do. And I think fans are really going to get excited once they see him out there playing for real. It's funny, we get caught up in recruiting rankings. Wilbon and Newby are the high four-star guys, but the best of the bunch I could know. end up being a three-star. So I, I know people really get starstruck on the rankings, but um, sometimes it plays out a little different. And, and Wilbon was going to go to Iowa, not Wilbon, um, uh, Ozigbo was going to go to Iowa State. And, you know, he <laughs> switches to Nebraska and can end up being – uh, an impact player. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk about things uh, for the spring game we're looking forward to. I mean, th- just the atmosphere of the day. Uh, 70,000 fans or more expected. Uh, weather, it looks like we're going to have a good day again. And, and that's kind of been an X factor. I mean, really, other than the year, they called it off because of the, the lightning and Jim Cantori um, doing a live shot in Lincoln. Jaleel Okafor was on campus. Oh, yeah. it was just, that was just a weird day overall. <laughs> the Big Ten Network would have played their cards right. They could have televised that pickup game, and I, that would have probably drawn oh, some ratings. Oh, man. Whew. God, there's like four pros on that in that game. And none of them from Nebraska, yeah. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. I think I think that Mac Irvin team actually took two or three from Nebraska's scholarship guys. But just the day itself in general, I mean, it's just a celebration of being a Nebraska fan. And I think that's what – it's not the game, it's not the stats, it's not the touchdown passes that A.J. Bush is going to throw to Ty Bedka late in the fourth quarter of the spring <laughs> game. It's just getting together and saying, you know what, we're Husker fans – and this is what makes Nebraska great. We can bring 70,000 people to a scrimmage and pay 10 to 15 bucks a ticket. I bet your team can't do that. Well, it's just kind of a celebration of what Nebraska football and Nebraska athletics is all about, that you would get this type of turnout, this type of fervor and excitement over what is essentially just a glorified practice. And it, it's a, a statewide event. People are going to tailgate starting at probably 7 or 8 in the morning. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, treat it like it's a you know the big – season finale showdown against Iowa you know it's, it's going to be a great atmosphere and you know I think as we're going to talk about later on in the show uh what a what a great advantage it is on the recruiting front to be able it's to like have a free home game to be yes to essentially have an extra home game where your coaches can not even worry about the game uh, essentially they can just worry about you know keep keeping these slew of recruits they're going to have. And, man, the the, the Calabra- Calabrasca mm-hmm. movement. And you bought your the, T-shirt, didn't you? Yeah, I know, I know. And, and all the other kids are going to be in there. The muscle shirt one, not the T-shirt, but like the, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the, the bro tank. The bro tank, yeah. got Sun's out, gun's out. Uh, but, yeah, I got uh, <laughs> uh, to – having all those kids to be able to get this early glimpse of kind of what to expect, you know, once the fall rolls around is such a huge advantage. And we'll talk more to Nate Klaus about that. And did you have something you wanted to add on the recruiting? Well, I was just going to say – it's amazing the atmosphere there is around this program right now, considering they're coming off a six and seven season. People, you know, six months ago were talking about whether Mike Riley should be fired after one season. And you look at where they stand right now after that bowl win and the manner in which they won it. They close out the recruiting class strong. Now you, you go out, you get Keyshawn Johnson Jr., you get Tristan Jebbia. Just the mood around this program is 180 degrees different than it was in mid-November. Yeah, think about Robin at Purdue, our our conversation at the restaurant with our friend Camille, where the program was at that (laughs) night as we were talking to a Husker fan that was just mad. Everyone was mad after that Mm -hmm. loss. I still remember that. And uh, for them to to get to this point, the Kool-Aid is pretty strong right now, and a lot of people are enjoying it. And um, that's the key, momentum and excitement. And whatever Mike Riley's been able to do the last couple of months with the win over Michigan State and the UCLA bowl win, then recruiting. Recruiting is kind of 
the straw that stirs the drink. Mm -hmm. It tells your fans that things are going all right. And and that's the feeling you get right now with recruiting, that they're doing well, so something is going right right now. Yeah, from a team standpoint, I mean, that UCLA Bowl win was huge. I mean, just to be able to get something positive going for your program heading into the offseason. But you're right. I mean, what's really taken this thing to the next level is kind of the, the unprecedented hype and excitement around recruiting. I mean, it's just I've never seen anything like this before uh, with kids that aren't even going to be on campus, you know, for another year, uh, getting this much hype and attention. And, uh, you know, it, it's really kind of just unfathomable just how far this thing has gone, you know, in such a short amount of time. And uh, from the sounds of things, uh, they're only getting started. And that's that's all and good. But if they're able to translate that with a productive season next year, you know, get to a you know upper end bowl game and compete in the Big Ten West, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of momentum rolling in Lincoln. All right, when we come back, we will start breaking down the position by positions here, what we're going to be watching for at each position. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, and Dan Hoppen getting you ready for Saturday's red-white spring game. It is a 1 p.m. kickoff at Memorial Stadium. It will be televised, tape delayed on Big Ten Network. Uh, the first airing will be at 4 o'clock, and it's really a DVR-type deal anyway. I mean, I don't know anybody that sits at home and watches the spring game like a real game. It's kind of a... Flip the channel. Um, if Rocky Four is on one channel, you go back and forth <laughs> during the commercial breaks and and, and catch the, the the game or whatever. But uh, tape delay broadcast. Ohio State gets the live spot this year on the Big Ten Network. But lots to look at, guys. Um, you know, let, let's kind of start with quarterback for me. Um, I know I'm like a lot of people. I want to see Patrick O'Brien and, and kind of what this kid is made of. Oh yeah, I mean this kid has been hyped up since the day he set foot on campus. You know, from his teammates and coaches alike. Um, you know, Mike Riley and Danny Langsdorf have had, had nothing but praise. And even his own direct competition, Riker Fife, said he's never seen a freshman come in this ready, especially a semester early. Uh, so there, there's, a, there's a lot of excitement around this kid, and for good reason. And that's why uh, he might be one of the most exciting things to watch in this game because, uh, again, it's his first uh, real kind of display for the fans to see what this kid's all about. And I'm sure and he looked good in the scrimmage. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm sure he's going to get a lot of reps and a lot of opportunity to make some plays. Well, like you said earlier, Sean, there's nothing in this game we're going to learn about Tommy Armstrong that we don't know already. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you guys. O'Brien's the one to watch. He might be playing against a third or fourth string defense, but it's still kind of our first look at him with the lights. I'm going to set the over-under on Armstrong series at four. Yeah, I, can see I, I think no more than four. I, yeah. think, I think it's going to be two and two or three and one at the most, two and one. Um and then, then you'll see a lot of backups, kind of like Saturday in the scrimmage. Yeah, and this is a big deal for Riker Fife, too. I mean, he's in direct head-to-head competition. AJ Bush. For, yeah, A.J. Bush, too. But, uh, I mean, for, for Riker, I mean, this is, you know, his last go. And if he doesn't, you know, lock down that number two job, um, you know, he, he could easily be pushed and maybe even lose this thing come the start of the fall. All right, so. let's move on now to running backs. Um, you know, I, I think there's, first of all, with the fullback, we don't really know who that's going to be. I don't know if we're going to learn that on Saturday. I lean towards Luke McNitt. Um, but that's still that's I don't think we're going to get an idea on Saturday. I think we'll see a lot of just basic handoffs, and I think it's going to be a game for the running backs. I think you're going to see all these running backs get a lot of opportunities, um, whether it's Ozigbo, Newby, or Wilbon. Yeah, and that's a good thing too because you know as they continue to say they want a feature back to emerge, but 
no one has done it. And so right now they're fully prepared to go into the season with a three-headed rotation. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about how good Divino Zigbo has looked, and I think he may have as good of an opportunity as any of them to really establish himself as that, that you know, num- that grind workhorse type back with the other guys kind of filtering in, especially uh, with them utilizing more of those two-back sets, you know, because Danny Langsdorf said when they use the two-backs, it's going to be Ozigbo and then one of the two other guys. So, I mean, that's even more playing time that he's going to see when they utilize that package and uh, should be a good opportunity to kind of see what this running game is going to be all about. And you mentioned the fullback, Sean. I am pretty excited uh, to watch Luke McNitt. I think he's got a really interesting skill set. His background from playing tight end and quarterback at Kearney gives him, you know, just an interesting mindset out there. He's a guy to watch. All right, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we get you ready for Saturday's red-white spring game. Um, Let's talk about the receivers, tight ends and receivers in general. There's a lot of guys there. Uh, I think this tight end position is set to take a big step forward. Uh, We know Seathan Carter, what he can do, but I've been impressed with Sam Cotton. I think he's reshaped his body. He's gotten leaner. He looks the best he's ever looked. Um, I think he's clearly the number two guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Hoppus would be your sleeper guy to watch at the position, in my opinion. Uh, the receiver position, without Jordan Westerkamp, uh, Stanley Morgan's been kind of hobbled. Um, I don't really expect to see a lot. I'm excited, though, to see Darian Grimm in, in the stadium. We know Brandon Riley, what he can do, uh, but there's a lot to look forward to at receiver. Yeah, Grimm is kind of an exciting guy just because you can see the potential that, that he has. I mean, he's still got a long way to go to really reach the level of that top end of the group. But I mean, just from an athleticism standpoint and from a route running standpoint, Keith Williams loves the way that he runs his routes and even utilized him in one of his little Twitter videos. So uh, fans I think are going to really like what they see from him. Yeah. I don't know. You know, this is another position outside of Grimm where I don't know if we're going to learn anything really on Saturday. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of young guys that are going to stand out because we've seen so many of these guys, you know, play before. I, I agree with you, Sean. I think this is, you know, an opportunity, not this game necessarily, but this senior year for Sam Cotton to come out and kind of close out his career in strong fashion. All right, let's go on now to the offensive line. I mean, we touched on this in our last I mean, There's really seven guys that have probably pulled away from the pack. Uh, to me, David Neville is one of the big stories. Mm-hmm. How can he hold up in a real situation in the stadium? He's never had one in his career yet, and th- this will be a big day for him. I want to see if he's able to bring that nastiness that you know a guy like Nick Gates has. That's going to be the thing that's really going to separate him from being Just poise. He's yeah. not going to be like the nasty, you know what that Nick Gates is. I think it's more the poise and composure that he's not to being with. overwhelmed. Yeah, I mean yeah. he's he's not a that kind of a lineman, but he's physically he's gifted. just a nice Canadian. But at six nine three fifteen, he should be able to dominate. No doubt. I mean, no doubt. I think he's got a chance. Um, but for him, it's just kind of that composure because he's going to get beat by somebody in the season. How he comes back maybe later on in the game will be important. And Tanner Farmer, too. I, that, that's another guy to watch because he's he's kind of ascended to that starting right guard spot, but it is by no means you know his yet. He's got to grab it and not let go. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we get you ready for Saturday's Red-White Spring Game. Sean Callahan, Robin Watchett, and Dan Hoppen. Let's go now over to the defensive side of the football and um, start with defensive line. I think John Perella has really put his fingerprint on this group of guys. Um, They're still missing a lot, though. I I don't see the depth at defensive end yet um, really at all. I think the two starters are far and away, the two starters. I don't Mm -hmm. see competition there as much as I would like. And I think defensive tackle with the Greg McMullen situation, um, Kevin Williams, obviously, I don't even think he's in the picture, um, but they're kind of in an interesting interesting spot there with Kevin Maurice and Khalil Davis probably going number one on Saturday. 
Yeah, and Khalil Davis is kind of emerging as a guy that, um, you know, is going to factor into this defensive tackle rotation. I think that's a given. And he's playing uh, at a level that has really impressed John Perella. And I think that this is a perfect combination. You know, he's getting extra attention, you know, with, you know, some of that depth being cleared out ahead of him. And uh, I think he could really flourish, you know, getting this type of tutelage. And I, I can't remember which Davis it was, but he said he learned more this spring than he did his entire redshirt year about playing defensive line. And that's just a testament to uh, how good of a teacher John Perrell is. So I'm excited to see the young guys and how they uh, kind of take hold this offseason. There's another guy that I feel like has kind of gone forgotten, and, and that's because he missed the spring. And I think it's really disappointing because he could have made a big push, push. But Mick Stoltenberg, yes, I mean, we won't see him on Saturday, unfortunately, but – He's a monster, and I think he's going to have a real chance this fall. Do not forget about him or count him out. He looks like Hercules. He does. He looks like Adam Carriker. No doubt. He has um, uh, got an NFL body. Just can he get healthy and, and, and bring it back in fall camp? That will be a guy to watch. Um, let's move over to the linebacker position. Um, there's a lot of depth there, but I still feel like we haven't gotten a strong read on that position uh, we know Michael Rose-Ivy, Josh Banderas, Dedrick Young, Marcus Newby. I think those are the four clear-cut guys. And Chris Weber. I think Chris Weber. He's right up there. Uh, deserve, and, and Trent Bray said that on the on Tuesday, um, that the gap between Weber and Banderas is not that sizable. I mean, and they can play both those guys. They both need to be ready to go. Yeah. And, you know, what's funny is that, you know, Josh Banderas is obviously the more highly uh, acclaimed kid coming in. And, uh, you know, it's been kind of people waiting for him to really take hold of that. But then you got to walk on Chris Weber uh, comes in and just a football player. And he showed just the, the, the playmaking ability he has last year. And so that competition, uh, you know, on the spring has been tight. And I fully expect that to happen to go on through the summer and fall. And a couple fun guys to watch a little deeper down the depth chart. Tyron Ferguson at middle linebacker and Muhammad Barry, who's just a tremendous athlete for the position. So those are guys to keep an eye on. Too. And let's close it out here with the secondary um the corner is going to be hard to gauge <laughs> bose I mean, joseph is probably going to they're bringing them. out guys from retirement and i mean charles <laughs> yeah, jackson is going to get some serious reps in the uh-huh. spring game but uh, i think um, you'll see some young guys at avery anderson eric lee um, they're going to get chances aaron williams is back and running uh but you know i think joshua kalu has established himself as their best corner but Clearly. uh nathan gary obviously at safety but that's a work in progress with some injuries and recruits coming in in that secondary. This is a big opportunity for Eric Lee because uh, you mentioned that competition's only going to get tougher for him uh, once the new guys arrive in the fall. Uh, you know he's going to get a ton of playing time, and if he's out goes out there and you know is able to make some plays and really kind of you know give himself a, a bit of a, a resume going into the summer, I think that could be a huge edge for him when fall camp come around. And Kyron Williams, this mm-hmm. might kind of be his last big chance here. He's been getting all the. Number one snaps next to Nathan Gary. Obviously, that's been with Aaron Williams hobbled and out. Antonio Reed's out. And now all these freshmen are coming in that are going to have a chance to play. This is his chance to make a statement, and he's a junior. If he's you know, going to be an impact player on defense and not just a special teams guy, he's got to start now. Well, lots to look forward to, guys, as as we get ready for Saturday's red-white game. The game will be at 1 p.m. Uh, make sure you are on HuskerOnline.com. We will have full coverage, not just of the game, uh, but the sights and sounds surrounding the game and obviously recruiting. And uh, we will talk recruiting here later in the show. But when we come back, uh, we will get a rundown on Nebraska baseball and also the Big Ten baseball tournament announced uh, with the conference uh, that they will be playing that tournament in Omaha through 2022. Uh, so we'll get Dan Hoppin's thoughts on all of that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. 
You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show as we shift our spring football coverage. And we'll talk more recruiting of the spring uh, game coming up here later in the show with Nate Klaus. But we do want to dedicate a little bit of the show to Husker baseball as uh, Nebraska kind of had a, what would be considered an up-and-down week as uh, we bring Dan Hoffman back into the conversation. Um, after winning three games in a row over UNO and then two against Northwestern, they lose Sunday at home in disappointing fashion to Northwestern. And they dropped a real tough game Tuesday uh, against Creighton. Um, that game was at TD Ameritrade Park. But now Nebraska 22-11, and 11, and they're at that point, Dan, of the season that kind of haunted them a year ago where things went south. Yeah, the, it, this is kind of that teetering point, I think. Um, I, I really think these next five or six games are going to determine kind of where their season goes from here. And they've got a very tough series this weekend at Michigan, um, who's number 45 in the RPI and – uh, they've been playing really well. So this is a huge weekend for Nebraska. I mean, I, I'm, I don't feel like I'm overstating anything when I say, you know, the season could be defined here in these next two weeks because I think if some more bad stuff starts to happen, just the way that Nebraska's been playing lately, the way that they have a lot of young guys who might be hitting that freshman wall, you might start to get worried a little bit, especially if some of that mindset from last year starts to creep in. And it's a conference stretch, Dan, where they're going to play nine consecutive road Big Ten games after this nice kind of home opening stretch where Nebraska uh, played, you know, back-to-back uh, series here at home. Uh, they go on the road for nine in a row in the Big Ten, ending with the Rutgers trip. Uh, they have a Nickel State home series in there in non-conference. Uh, I, I have no idea. <laughs> Obviously, the Big Ten scheduling forces them to do that. But very weird. Uh, yeah. This is a very uh, difficult stretch here. Just going on the road, you're arguably playing two of the better teams in Michigan and Michigan State. Yeah. That, um, I mean, they've kind of had their easy part of the conference schedule. You know, when you look at what Nebraska's had so far, they just had to face Northwestern, Illinois. And, and per- seven and two is not Purdue. bad. No, not at all. That's a good start, but they haven't played, you know, some of the upper echelon teams. And, you know, just this last week, I think, has kind of put a sour taste in everyone's mouth because they went three and three. Um, they lost to K-State and Northwestern, neither of whom are very good. But even some of the wins weren't very impressive. But, you know, then again, if they come out and play well this weekend against Michigan, this team can be trending up in the right direction. I I really I don't totally know how to feel right now. I can see it going one of two ways. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Dan Hoppen, as we break down Nebraska baseball and within the Big Ten, Dan, there was a big announcement this week made by Commissioner Jim Delaney. The Big Ten tournament will be in Omaha this year and every other year until 2022, but 2017. Mm-hmm. So basically a seven out of a nine-year run, Omaha is going to host this. Um, and Mecca and the Omaha community have committed to the Big Ten um, through the 2022 season. Uh, a huge victory for Big Ten baseball, for Nebraska baseball, for fans of college baseball in the area. There are no losers in this situation. Other than Creighton. Well, yeah, <laughs> Creighton and the Big East, they, they, they kind of lost here. But as far as the Big Ten goes, this is awesome. I mean, I, I've been to a couple of these you know, uh, conference tournaments, Big Ten tournaments that have been been Columbus. played in other cities, Columbus, uh, Minneapolis, a couple times. Th- those are beautiful facilities and great parks, but people don't come out and they don't support the games. That is not the case here in Omaha. We saw that a couple years ago. Now, of course, Nebraska being really good that year played into it because fans were all jacked up about baseball. 
Indiana was a special team that year too, and they they, yes, they, they, were. they brought some fans. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They went to the CWS that year, um, so they were back in Omaha. But I do think that you're not going to get better turnouts anywhere else in the Big Ten than in you, the nation. Yeah. That then you will at TD Ameritrade Park for this uh, for this tournament. So winners all around. You know the interesting thing, uh, the Big Ten they they have odd start times though because they televise those games. If I remember right, it was like a nine one. Five and eight, or yeah. four, four and eight. I think the afternoon session was just tricky enough where it made it difficult because the first game was at four, um, the second game was at eight. I don't know what the schedule looks like, but if you're that late game, you sometimes might not start till nine thirty. But good news, they will sell beer at the games. <laughs> That's um, always a good thing. Roger Dixon of Mecca, who runs the facility, told Tom Chattel of the Omaha World Herald they kind of want to have a uh, dress rehearsal dry run before the College World Series with some of the new things that they'll be doing. And you think about it, that's all that baseball stadium holds is the World Series. So having the Big Ten tournament there at least gives them another thing to kind of you know use that stadium because it's a pretty nice facility just to be sitting empty for 50 other weeks a year. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful facility. And Creighton plays a lot of games there too. Um, but yeah, you know, you want to be able to use it for more. The fact that, you know, they get the Big Ten tournament for another, you know, four or five days. I mean, think of how much business that brings to downtown Omaha with all these visiting fans, visiting teams, hotels, the restaurants. It, I mean, you know, I, I just said it in response to the last question, but I just think this is a win all around for everyone involved. And I remember a couple of years ago, the very first game, it was was it a lunch game or a morning game against Ohio State where Nebraska had that big comeback mm-hmm. and they were not expecting it. It was an afternoon, I think. They weren't expecting a big crowd and there was like ten thousand people there and they had like two concession stands open. I think everyone was like, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is big time. Yeah. I mean, I'll never forget that Sunday game a couple years ago when they face off against that Indiana team that you mentioned and the stadium was packed. I want to say there's 17,000 people or something. 19 and change, almost it was 20. In, yeah, almost 20. For a college baseball game that wasn't the College World Series, that is unheard of. And I'm not saying it's going to be like that every year because it's not. But just the fact that that's what this fan base and this uh, area is capable of, it made this decision a no-brainer for the Big Ten. Well, and people forget that Creighton versus Nebraska in the old Rosenblatt in the early to mid-2000s in the heyday of Nebraska baseball routinely drew Mm -hmm. 20-plus. It was the largest crowd ever to see regular season games until like LSU, I think, played a game in in the Superdome or some crazy Mm -hmm. big stadium. But um, yeah, Nebraska baseball fans. Um, they love their baseball. They, they will support a winner, <laughs> and they love their baseball. Real quick, Dan, this weekend, Nebraska, three games, uh, 5.02 on Friday. That game is televised on the Big Ten Network. Uh, then a 1 o'clock game on Saturday, so head-to-head with that spring game. And then Sunday, uh, 12 noon. What do you expect as far as the Sunday pitching situation? It's very much up in the air right now. Nebraska has not announced a starter as of us recording this podcast Matt Waldron has been the Sunday guy. He's been very good as a Sunday guy. He was pulled about 20 minutes before last Sunday's game because of shoulder soreness and haven't really gotten any updates on him. It doesn't sound like, you know, anything's really changed there. Maybe Derek Burkamper comes back. He threw five innings against Creighton, but I think they were trying to monitor him pretty closely. So that's still kind of up in the air as of right now. Well, Nebraska baseball this weekend, a huge conference series at Michigan. We'll have full coverage there along with our red-white spring game coverage. When we come back, we'll start talking about this major recruiting weekend. We've dedicated the next two segments to Nate Klaus as we get the latest year in Husker recruiting. 
You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and now Nate Klaus as we are going to dedicate the rest of this show to talking recruiting. Our final two segments here as we get you ready for Saturday's Red-White Spring Game where upwards of 20 to 25 players will be on campus that have Husker scholarship offers. It is as big of a recruiting weekend as we've ever seen at Nebraska, no matter what the game over the time. And Nate Klaus, you've been around it since the Soldier. I have too, and that's really when they started bringing in visitors for things like the spring game and regular season games. And before we get to some other things, I mean, just put into perspective how big of a weekend and an opportunity this is for Nebraska. Well, this is as big as it gets in terms of what we've seen in the past, having this many guys on campus in terms of offered players. I mean, there's going to be another 15 uh, players that they're really you know hot after that don't currently hold offers. But uh, to have 20, 25 guys that have offers that you're you know recruiting very hard and that are coming from coast to coast. I mean, when you just look at all the California guys that are going to be on campus, it's, it's pretty impressive. And I think this really will continue to lay the foundation for what this recruiting class is becoming and and even uh, the 2018 class there's going to be a lot of high profile 2018 kids on campus and uh, what a better first impression to make on these guys than having you know 70,000 plus in the stands well and with the announcement that was made this week events like this red white spring game are huge for Nebraska NCAA announced that satellite camps are no longer uh, Nebraska just started getting those rolling last year they had five very successful camp locations. One of them ended up getting canceled, but they were in Houston and Dallas and Atlanta and Miami and Los Angeles. They were planning to have six. I think New Orleans might have been in the mix for them as well uh, going forward. No satellite camps, and it's been a hot-button kind of SEC versus Big Ten type topic that has dominated the airwaves, and I know a lot of people are disappointed. Nate, if you are trying to defend the other side here, what do you think their defense is for voting these down? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what's that's the 10 million dollar question right there what <laughs> what is the good reason for for shooting these down because really all you're doing is is hurting the student athlete and the NCAA always preaches about you know taking the the interest of the student athlete in you know in mind first and foremost and uh, that's the last thing they did here I don't know um, outside of you know all the self-serving things that that uh, you know this this decision came down from I don't know if there is a good reason to, to say well this is why we're not doing it uh, because you you have the SEC where basically they didn't want all these you know other programs coming down into their territory and now so they've they've cut those off now you, you're limiting the exposure to the student athlete um, and you're and you're hurting a lot of the the group of five schools those smaller schools that that really counted on these types of camps and, and going to uh, bigger team camps uh, to be able to to evaluate players and see guys you're, you're hurting those schools as well and I really honestly think there were some backdoor deals made or, or talks, you know, when ACC and SEC teams visit with some of these group of five leagues like the Sun Belt and other leagues like that say, hey, look, you know, we're paying you over a million dollars to come and play us in home football games here. That makes your budget. Um, I'd, I'd suggest that you vote with our party on this. 
Uh, you do not vote with the other party. You vote with us on this because we pay your bills. And I think there are a lot of things like that that could have factored into this. Yeah, I'm sure that there were. I mean, there was a lot of politicking going on behind the scenes. There's no, there's no question about it. And, um, you know, it, it's just unfortunate the way that it played out. And I have a feeling that this will be something that, that gets revisited at some point in time. But, um, yeah, NCAA says no more satellite camps effective immediately. And that, that, that hurts. Uh, that hurts a lot of people that, um, you know, not just the kids, but a lot of programs that were counting on these. And the best thing, I heard this idea today listening to a national show, uh, maybe a, a solution. Give teams a window of days and say, look, you have these 10 days or two weeks to have your camps and you can use these days however you want and have your camps wherever you want. That way you don't, you know, unlimited where you can have camps like Jim Harbaugh was going to do with having probably 20 days of camps over the summer. Maybe if you put a cap on your days that you can host camps or something, I think there's a solution um, you can have or limit the number of coaches that do satellite camps um, at one time for your staff. Yeah, if you that's one solution. I, I think the, the maybe the best solution is to allow official visits to start happening earlier because the recruiting why? process has, has been so sped And why up. not during your junior year? Exactly. I that's mean, that's what I'm saying. If you're able to allow these guys to, to start taking a visit or two in the spring or even over the summer months, I think that, that helps because – uh, the bottom line is that a lot of these kids can't afford to be traveling all over the country for camps or for unofficial visits. And, um, you know, players are committing earlier and earlier. And it's important, especially for a place like Nebraska, to get these guys on campus. And in a lot of instances, they can't afford to wait, uh, you know, until the kid's senior year to get them on campus. They need them on campus as early and as often as possible. Well, that's a uh, – we could probably do a whole show on yeah. this, but we, <laughs> we, we want to focus on the 20 to 25 guys that are going to be here that have offers this week. And as you're listening to the Husker Online show, we're getting you geared up for Saturday's red-white game. And really it's two games, the game on the field and the game off the field. And for Nebraska on Saturday, the game off the field may be bigger, Nate, than what's going to be going on on the field. Yeah, a lot of a lot of recruiting taking place off the on the sidelines and in the stands uh, this weekend, and and really I think it starts and ends with all the California kids that are going to be on campus. When you talk about Keyshawn Johnson Jr. and Tristan Jebbia, who are already committed out of Calabasas uh, High School out in California, and then you've got four other kids uh, from out in the L.A. area that are going to be on campus, and many of which are uh, big time targets, uh, highly touted recruits. Um, you know, Tyjon Lindsay is a wide receiver, rivals. 100 wide receiver. He's 5'9", 175 pound kid out of Corona Centennial High School. It plays in the same seven on seven team as uh, Keyshawn Jr. and Jebbia. Um, you know, he's probably one of the more electric wideouts in the entire nation. Uh, this kid is is uh, a, a highlight film waiting to happen, basically in the open field. And then Jameer Calvin is another kid out of uh, Los Angeles Cathedral, uh, built the same way, 5'10", 165 pounds, but uh, can do so many different things in open space when you, you talk about fly sweeps or, um, I mean, being a possible return man, his kid is just dangerous in the open field. And so those are a couple couple other guys uh, that are going to be on campus. And then uh, Bookie Radley Hiles, who's uh, one of the top corners in the entire country for the 2018 class, is another teammate of, of Keyshawn Jr. and um, Tristan Jebbia and Darnay Holmes and all those guys at, at Calabasas. Uh, this is one of the more sought-after recruits in that 2018 class, and he'll be getting his first taste of Lincoln this weekend as well. And I think what's interesting, Nate, when you get a lot of these kids together for a weekend or time together, all bets are off. I mean, conversations these guys have, thoughts they have, 
that's the beauty of it. And that's where Nebraska could just hit a home run this weekend by just getting all these guys together to go out for pizza or something. I mean, you just don't know what that's going to lead to next. Well, yeah, that, these guys, that great players want to be surrounded by other great players. And, and all these guys are, are some of the best out in the country. And they start talking about playing with each other and, and, and what they could possibly do with the program if they were all on the same team with each other. And I think that's uh, that's something that, that kind of really influences a lot of these guys' decisions is, is hey, man, I, I could have a chance to, to go to Nebraska and join up with Keyshawn Jr. and Tristan Jebbia and and really turn turn that program around and, and get them back to where they want to or where they you know uh, need to be at you know given all the tradition that Nebraska has and those are the types of conversations and the dreaming I guess of of the possibilities of what could be uh, that I think really do influence uh, a lot of these guys and then um, just the opportunity to see the fan base to be around the coaching staff all that um, you know it's just a huge opportunity for Nebraska this weekend I think I think when this all first started happening Nate I think a lot of people said oh it's too good to be true even national analysts from our own network Mm -hmm. and other networks I don't think they took it that seriously but do you get the sense it's definitely changed now the tone a lot of these guys yeah, absolutely. Initially, yeah, well, there was some skepticism, you know, okay, well, yeah, Nebraska got Keyshawn Jr. And uh, they might be a player for a couple other guys, but that's that's not the case. We're, we're seeing that Nebraska is definitely a major player with some of the top overall players, uh, recruits out in California. And you're talking five-star type of talent um, with a, a, a Darnay Holmes, potentially. Uh, Joseph Lewis is another wide receiver who could possibly be making his way into town this weekend. Um, I mean, these are top – top two or three players in the entire state of California that Nebraska has a legitimate shot of landing now. And um, I think once, once the, you can kind of capitalize on that momentum that it's just a snowball effect that keeps going and going and uh, players eyes are being opened to what's taking place in this class. All right. We'll go more in depth on that list of visitors that will be in for the red white game with Nate Klaus. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker online show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online show as we get you ready for Saturday's red-white spring game. And uh, we've talked to recruiting here at Nate Klaus. We're going to continue our recruiting conversation as it is going to be a star-studded weekend. Anywhere from 20 to 25 players on campus that hold Husker scholarship offers. This will be... Nate, will this be the most offer guys ever on campus at one time for any event that you can remember? Yeah, any event that I can remember, um, you know, in the 15 years or or so that I've been. So, uh, I mean, that sets the historical relevance of what the game will be. And what I'm going to do here, there's so many guys. I mean, we could could probably do a four-hour show on all the guys. (laughs) So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of rapid fire through a name, and I want you to give me – just one or two quick sentences on what Husker fans should know about him. We'll, we'll start on the list. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. The first guy, Austin Allen, tight in Aurora. Well, he's the the lone in-state guy that has an offer, a 6'8", 225-pound kid. I, I think that, um, you know, he's also gaining some interest for basketball. But this is a player, I think, if he has a good visit this weekend, you know, could potentially, um, you know, be pulling the trigger sooner than later. Wide receiver Maurice Bell out of California. Another wide receiver out in California that's interested, uh, loves Coach Williams. Uh, comes out of Marietta Valley, six foot, 175 pound kid who uh, will be visiting Iowa next weekend. Looking at wide receiver Jameer Calvin out of Los Angeles Cathedral. Now, this is a player who is has dominated the camp scene, has really blown up over the past few months. Keith Williams done a great job. I, I think that he could be getting close to, to committing to Nebraska. Junior college tight end Myquan 
Dean out of Miami, Oklahoma, Northeastern uh, A&M Junior College. Yeah, Myquan Dean is uh, one of the few junior college prospects that Nebraska has offered. They want to land three uh, tight ends in this in this class, and, and I think that getting him on campus early uh, could go a long way in, in you know, getting him in the fold here. You've got a Wisconsin commit, athlete Jake Ferguson. What position, Nate, out of Madison Memorial? Seems like a long shot, but he'll be here for the spring game. Yeah, this is uh, one of the more unique visitors that will be on campus. 6'5", 210-pound kid. I think Nebraska's recruiting him as a tight end. He's He is committed to Wisconsin. His grandpa is uh, Barry Alvarez. But both of, <laughs> both of his parents went to Nebraska. They have a connection with Sean Eichhorst. Um, so there is a, a small chance that Nebraska could flip him. But uh, they, they're coming up this weekend, and then they're visiting Wisconsin uh, for its spring game next weekend. I think the Vegas money's going the other way on that <laughs> yeah. one. But uh, Tristan Jebbia, he'll be here, Nebraska's four-star quarterback commit. But just big to have your quarterback here to kind of be the – the lead dog. Yeah, absolutely. Rivals 100 kid. He's uh, the the quarterback is kind of the face of, of each recruiting class. I know Keyshawn Jr. would have something to say about that too. But um, you know, it's nice to have your your quarterback on campus at, at any type of event, especially this one. Wide receiver Jeremiah Hawkins at Abuna uh, Buena Park, California. Uh, uh, Jeremiah Hawkins is another one of those smaller uh, electric slot wide receivers. He was actually offered after the the Los Angeles satellite camp last summer. Um, and is a player that has really started to, to gain a lot of attention. He's had his trip booked to come to Nebraska for months, and, and Nebraska is right at the top of his list along with a couple other Pac-12 schools. You've got Austin, Texas, Lake Travis, offensive lineman Brendan James, 6'6", 260. Yeah, this is uh, one of the more interesting prospects. Um, you know, there aren't too many offensive linemen that are going to be on campus. Uh, the, Nebraska definitely has a need at, at offensive tackle. He has said that location could be, you know, determined factor but uh, he is very high on Nebraska so a good visit could go a long way here and this one to me is a big one Nate defensive tackle Isaiah Johnson out of the Miami Northeastern Oklahoma Junior College you look at when Nebraska loses that defensive tackle uh, a Juco guy would be nice yeah, absolutely adding a Juco guy there would would be huge in this class I think uh, along with a, another high school kid or two so um, you know Isaiah Johnson anytime you can get a Juco guy on campus in the spring I think that's a huge benefit because these guys aren't really able to take visits in the fall until their football season's over with. And, um, you know, again, he's got a great relationship with John Perella, and getting him on campus could go a long way here. Two other commits, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. and Javon McCoy, both four-star wide receivers. Uh, once again, just big to have three four-star commits on campus to kind of be the um, – kind of tour guide leaders for the the kids this weekend yeah these guys are the kind of the mouthpieces for nebraska recruiting right now they've been extremely active on social media uh obviously Keyshawn jr is uh you know has a lot of name recognition both these guys uh do being that they're they're ranked so highly so uh, having all these commits on campus telling other guys why they committed is huge for the huskers Tight end Dalton King uh, out of Littleton, Colorado. Nebraska wants to take three tight ends. It's a big position to need. Absolutely. 6'4", 220. And I think what Nebraska likes about him is how athletic he is. He's played everything from running back uh, to wide receiver uh, and, and uh, you know, has done a good job blocking on film. I think that's something that Tavita Thompson really likes. He has uh, the in-state offers and then a couple offers from uh, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, uh, places like that. So uh, high on the Huskers, and, and we'll see what happens happens here but he could be getting close to making a decision and this one here Nate's a big one uh, rivals top 100 wide receiver Tejon Lindsay 
out of Corona Centennial, California. Uh, Tyjon Lindsay actually transferred from Bishop Gorman uh, to to Corona Centennial. Uh, so, and he plays on the same seven on seven team as as Keyshawn Jr., Tristan Jebbia, Darnay Holmes, all those guys. So, um, you know, getting him on campus. I mean, his offer list is is uh, twenty thirty offers or more, and the Huskers are squarely in the mix. And then as we wrap things up, there'll be kind of a fullback, H-back uh, athlete, Ben Miles out of Baton Rouge Catholic in Louisiana. Yeah, Ben Miles, the son of Les Miles, the head coach at LSU. And um, you know, I go back to when Mike Riley was hired. I, a lot of the coaches that I know that I talked to said, hey, Mike Riley's the type of coach that I want my son to play for. And it's you know very possible that this actually happens here. I, I think you know Ben Miles has an offer from LSU, hasn't committed to them yet. Now, obviously, he knows everything there is to know about that program but is very interested in nebraska kind of wants to blaze his own trail yeah a it could bit. be a guy who wants to do his own thing so uh, you know this is a you know probably the most intriguing guy that's on campus given who his father now will is. Les miles be here with him no he won't be here with him but he is coming up with some family and then uh last guy we just confirmed defensive tackle uh, DeAndre Thomas out of Mustang, Oklahoma, three-star defensive tackle. Yeah, maybe one of the the faster rising prospects in the state of Oklahoma. You know, he's just landed offers, uh, you know, from Baylor, Arizona State. You know, he's starting to become, you know, more of a, a national type of guy here. He has close to 15 offers now, and another one of those kids that's developed a good relationship with John Perella. He's coming up with his father and, and his brother, and uh, really looking forward to to seeing Nebraska in person. And then some 2018 names: Nate uh, Colin. Demons out of Beverly Hills, Michigan, Country Day, the same high school that Jonas Gray came out of. Will Farniak, Matt Farniak's brother, uh, 2018 offensive lineman of Sioux Falls, Nebraska, has already offered. Then Brendan Radley Hiles out of Calabasas, a Rivals 100 for 2018. Yeah, a great group of 2018 kids. Colin Demons is the little brother of Kenny Demons, who was teammates with Jonas Gray and who was also very close to committing to Nebraska in that 2008 class. Um, was then, committed for a while. Yeah, was committed for a while and, and then uh, of course uh, Will Farniak being the brother of Matt Farniak uh, you know it's nice to have him on campus and then Bookie Hiles uh, out of Calabasas one of the top corners in the entire nation for 2018 so it's uh, very nice to see Nebraska kind of get an early start with some of those uh, top players for that class. And then a long list of in-state guys but Probably not as heavy as some years because the out-of-state list is so good. You don't want to just flood it with a bunch of in-state guys in there because then you can kind of have some needles in the haystack. But Patrick Arnold from Gretna, Arthur Egan from Creighton Prep, Peter Garrels uh, from Creighton Prep, Trent Hickson from Omaha Scott, uh, Brett Cottrell from Ashland Greenwood, and then a very intriguing young man, Rudy Stoffer out of Kearney, 6'5", 240, with the Wyoming offer already. Yeah, it's an interesting group because, um, and you notice that they're all kind of offensive or defensive linemen uh, there, and and that's a lot, you know, a lot because of uh, the AAU basketball scene. You know, a lot of players in the state are going to be at tournaments playing this weekend, or you know, doing track events. So uh, it's kind of limited down to the the O line, D line guys, but a great group of of uh, in state guys there, and, and we could end up seeing a handful of these players earn offers. I think throughout the evaluation period, or even. Uh, uh, after a strong showing at camps. Well, no doubt a, a lot to keep track of, Nate. I, I don't even want to know how you're going to keep track of all this <laughs> on Saturday and Sunday, but uh, Mike Mattia, Brian Munson, Nate Klaus, they will have the best coverage of the recruiting weekend 
and that thing is going to go all the way until probably early next week. So make sure you stick on board. Uh, do, you, do you expect some commits, Nate? I do. I think that we could very well see one or two happen this weekend and maybe even, uh, you know, as many as two or three more in the weeks to come. Uh, maybe five total out of this group here in the next, you know, two or three weeks. All right, well, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Make sure you are on the side as we are going to have a jam-packed weekend of coverage here with the Red-White Spring Game. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 